just want to give you something I think will bless you tonight. Um, I want to give a quick testimony. We had, a, I told you we started our church plant in uh, Carrollton this morning, and Pastor Dylan was excited and gave me a call, and they had 10 people show up this morning for the first service. Amen? So that's an awesome start. They'll be having a, a Thanksgiving dinner tonight. Our church is having also a, a Thanksgiving dinner outreach, just like we did here on Friday. I want to thank Pastor Marie and Pastor Paul and Emily, Pastor Dustin and Rochelle, Pastor Marshall and Sharice, all the pastors, all the staff for having us. Always an honor to preach in this pulpit. It's always nerve-wracking, but it's a blessing to be trusted to be able to preach here. Amen? We love this fellowship. We love everybody here, and we love being a part of, of what God is doing around the world. And um, I'm excited to see what's to come. Amen? How many believe the best is yet to come? We haven't seen the best yet. I want to talk tonight out of Numbers 23. I want to read something here. Verse 19. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has, has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for this Sunday night church crowd, Father, that's here to hear your word. Lord, we ask that you'd anoint this and anoint our ears to receive tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I receive a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. How many know when God blesses something or somebody, nobody can reverse God's blessings? Amen? But I want to ask you a question in just a moment. After I read another verse, you don't have to go there, but it's a very powerful verse in the New Testament. Third John chapter, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and in all things and be in health. How many know God wants us to prosper in everything? And how many know prosperity is not just money? The prosperity preachers have taken that and messed it all up, but prosperity, more than anything, is health. Because I know a lot of people that have a lot of money, and when they get sick, they can't do anything about it. You know, Steve Jobs was a very wealthy man, and he died of cancer. I bet he would have given all the money he had in the world to be able to live a few more years. So God says, I want you to prosper, and I want you to prosper in everything and in your health. But he says there's a clause to that, and what is it? How many know? He says, as your soul prospers. How many know God wants us to walk tonight in his abundance and in his blessings and in his favor and, and, and have him establish things that the devil cannot retract. Amen? Now, how many like miracles? I want to see if there's anybody in here like the miracles. Everybody likes miracles. I love miracles. Miracles are awesome. I want to share a quick testimony of a miracle that happened to us. I've had, like Pastor Marshall said at the offering, I've had so many miracles happen in my life, so many things that, that are unexplainable. I'm going to know a miracle is something that cannot be done naturally. It's something that you, it happened and you said only God could do that. If you can ever take credit for it, it's not a miracle. 
But I've had many, 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 but I want to choose one tonight. Seven years ago in 2008, when my wife and I decided to come back home and we talked to Pastor Jones and said we felt like God was leading us to come home to the United States and start a church here. Uh, we had been there for 10 years, and so we had a lot of stuff. How many know that stuff accumulates? And we had a lot of stuff, and so we had to move, and we set a date that we were going to come back, and we began to try to sell things. And uh, when we went to Costa Rica in 1998, we took a, 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 a storage unit with us. We took all our stuff over there, and coming back, we decided, you know what? We're not bringing nothing back. Everything we have is old. We're just going to sell everything. We get back to the States. We're going to start over. We're going to just get everything new. We're going to start over and, and not bring anything back. So that was the plan. So we started to sell stuff. And we began to get closer to the, to the time of coming back. And the closer you get to coming back and the more stuff you have, the scarier it gets. Because you realize you need dinero, amen, to get back. And we needed money. We needed to sell both of our cars. We had two vehicles that were paid off. And we had to sell our furniture. We had to sell our refrigerator. Everything. Everything was going. So we were having yard sales. And uh, how many know when you do those yard sales, it seems like the only things that sell are the little things that don't amount to anything. And you get done with the yard sale, and you have all this big stuff you have to take back in the house again, and you count the money you made, and you made like $4. (laughs) Right? It's the worst thing in the world when you got big stuff you need to sell. Well, that's what was happening. My cute little daughters were way younger then, and we were out on the street, and we are having all these people come in, and nobody was buying the big stuff. We still had all our furniture refrigerator, oven, everything, both cars, and this, all this bad stuff was happening. So one night, we're, uh, we're finishing up the yard, so it's getting dark, and we began to put everything away, and so we were, we were hungry. So me and Kristen got in the car, and there's a close city where uh, Pastor Dustin used to live, and uh, we would go there and get Chinese food. He knows what I'm talking about. Some of the best Chinese food in the world is in Costa Rica. I still taste the Costa Rica. That sounds crazy. Yeah. How many other Chinese know what they're doing, man? Everywhere you go, you can get some good Chinese food. Now, you don't always know that you're getting meat, but it's good anyways. Amen? <laughs> well, it's meat. You just don't know where the meat's coming from. So we went there, and we got some Chinese, and it was cheap. You could get these couple of things of big filled things of rice and arroz cantones, it was called. Rice and shrimp and chicken. Oh, that sounds good. I wish I could get that right after this service. And uh, we, we'd go get it and be like 10 bucks for all four of us. Nice, cheap dinner, right? We couldn't even hardly cook for that. So we got in the car, went to get the Chinese, called ahead, picked it up. We're coming back from uh, getting the food, and we stop at a four-way stop. Or we stop at a stop sign. There's actually one way coming this way. And it was at one of those city, you know, downtown city areas where they have the Catholic church, and they have all the, the park in the middle. They have those in every little city. And so we stopped, and I looked left. Kristen was on the passenger side. No cars were coming. So I began to accelerate out, and as soon as I came out into the road, I saw a flash in my left eye. How many know that's not good? And it's even worse when the flash is red and blue. I saw a flash of red and blue coming out of my, out of my side vision, and I looked over, and just this flash slammed into my car. I was in my wife's Nissan Altima, and uh, he slammed into that thing, and it was a motorcycle cop. Now, we are two weeks away from coming home. And if you've ever been in a foreign country, if you get in a wreck or you get a ticket or you get anything like that, you're done. And what I mean by you're done is you can't do anything with that vehicle because they're going to put a lien against it until the court goes to court and they release that lien. And you cannot sell that car until all that paperwork goes through. And it can be years sometime. 
And we were trying to get $8,000 for that car. That's what, we, that's what we, the car was worth. I needed that $8,000 to come home. I needed that $8,000 for tickets. I needed that, we needed that money to be able to move forward. And as soon as that car, that, that motorcycle hit my car, my heart sunk. Not only because it was a police officer, but then I see a body fly. There was a person on the back of the motorcycle. And then the motorcycle doesn't go past my car. I slam on my brakes. I put it in park. I get out, and the motorcycle cop is pinned under my car. This is going from bad to worse. Can you say amen? amen? And then I get out, and we're in the town square on a Saturday night. What do people do in the town square on Saturday night? Nothing. They just sit there and walk around and talk. So when a wreck happens, what do people do? Everybody's over there. They see, this, they see the lights. They hear the crash. Every, hundreds of people around my car now. Kristen is crying like a baby. I'm freaking out, and all I'm thinking of is I'm going to jail, and I'm not going to go back to the United States to start a church. I mean, that's what's going through my mind. So we get out, and, I, and, and the Lord begins to help me, calm me down a little bit. Peace comes upon me. Get, get, my, you know, get it together. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And, and the Lord speaks to me and says, hey, remember that body you saw fly by? Well, he's okay. Look over there. He's, he's standing. But he shouldn't have been on that motorcycle cop. I don't care what country you're in the world. You can't jump on a motorcycle cop's motorcycle and ride what had happened is someone had stole a purse or something, and the guy had jumped on the motorcycle cop's motorcycle, and they were running to go after the thief, and then, I hit, and then they hit me. And actually, it was not my fault. They came from the sidewalk, and, 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 and they were not in the street when I started to come out, but it came off the sidewalk and ran into me. And so long story short on that, I did not get a ticket, but they did put the thing against the car. And so we ended up taking the car away. Now, this motorcycle was going about 40 miles an hour when it hit my car. So there was about $3,000 worth of damage on my wife's car. So we get that car back. And I mean, can you imagine how distraught I am? You know what I need? I need a miracle. Anybody ever been there? I need a miracle. So I get back, and uh, we, we put the, parked that car there, and I'm just down. I'm down. I'm thinking, God, why, you know, you look up and say, why, God? What's the deal? And I think that a lot of times when we're going through something really bad, you got to just always remind yourself, God is in control. It's hard, but you got to remind yourself that. So the next weekend, we had a yard sale again. Now we're a week out from coming back. And my car's stuck. I can't sell it. So it's $8,000 I can't get. And so we get there the next week, and all of a sudden this guy shows up. It's the whole day, another Saturday of nothing but small stuff. I still got all my couches. I st- all my couches. I didn't have like a bunch of couches. I had couches. I had a refrigerator. I have all the big stuff still. Bed. Our beds were still there. We had sold nothing big. Sun's beginning to go down. I am getting depressed. I'm thinking, God, maybe we're not supposed to go back. Why is this happening? And all of a sudden, about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, as we're beginning to start putting stuff back in, we had already taken some of the big stuff in. I've got you know, my daughters helping me move this stuff, and Carla helped me move this. We're getting stuff back in. This guy shows up. And he says, hey, what, you know, what, what else do you have? He's looking at some of the stuff. He says, can I go in and see your house? And like, yeah. So he starts walking in the house, and he starts walking around. And what he starts doing is he goes, um, I want that couch. I want that fridge. You got an oven? I want your oven. And he goes, he goes what about a bed? Yeah, I got a king-size bed. He goes up to my bed. He bought everything in my house on the last Saturday before uh, the week before we were supposed to come back. That's not even the miracle. 
The miracle is he gets down to the bottom floor after telling me everything he's going to buy. We negotiated everything big in my house. And he says, do you have another car? He asked me that. I said, yes, but it's wrecked. And it's got a, what's called a gravamen. I said, I can't sell it. He goes, let me see it. I'm like, what in the world do you want to see it for? Who wants to look at a wrecked car? So I take him out to my garage and he, 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 says, and I, he says, does it run? I said, yes, it would still turn on. He turns on. He's looking at the front end all mangled and everything, and the car's on. And, and I'm thinking, why is he even looking at this car? So he goes, you know what? Um, I'm interested in your car. And I'm thinking, why? Why are you interested in it? But he goes, I'm interested in your car. He says, but we never talked about a price. He says, I'm going to call you tomorrow, and I'll make you an offer on the car. So I was just happy that he had bought everything else. I didn't think anything else about the car. The next day, this guy calls me, and I remember answering the phone. He says, hey, it's, it's so-and-so. I don't even remember his name. And he says, he says, remember when I told you I want to make an offer on your car? And I said, yeah. I was expecting him to say, I'll give you $2,000. Guess what he said he'd give me for my car? That, no way. That, that's crazy. $8,000. You kidding me? He offered me $8,000 for my car. $8,000 for a wrecked car. And he, I have no idea why he did that. He, I, I, he never knew what I was asking for the car. That was never talked about. But the offer he made for my car was the money that I needed from that car that it was worth. And he bought the car with the lien, dealt with the police, dealt with that cop ended up breaking his leg. He dealt with all of the lawyer stuff, and one week later, I was on a plane with $8,000 in my pocket from that car, from a wrecked car. Tell me that's not a miracle. That's a miracle. Amen? But I'm going to get even crazier. Guess what? That's not even what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to give you an example of a miracle, but I want you to think about something. I'm going to say a bold statement. How many like bold statements? We serve a God of miracles. I gave a very bold statement at the youth last night. Because what I'm going to say to you right now might shock you. And before you think I've lost my faith, just listen to me and hear me out. I think the Lord's preference for us is to meet our needs and bless us more than it is to do miracles. Let that sink in for a second. I believe it's more of God's will to bless us and to provide for us than it is to do a miracle. Okay? Just let that sink in for a second. Because I want to give you an example. Let me ask you tonight. Would you rather receive a miracle of healing for your body? You're in, you're, you're, your body's in bad, bad shape. Would you rather receive a miracle of your body of healing or live a life of blessed, good hope, health? Which one would you rather have? Would you rather have the Lord perform a miracle tonight to pull you out of bankruptcy Or would you rather be so blessed that you would not have to get out of bankruptcy? Y'all with me? I think that the logical answer to both those questions is obvious. We would rather be blessed. And listen, I'm not taking away from the miracle. The miracle is awesome and the miracle is amazing and we need miracles. We believe in miracles. I'm I'm not taking away from that at all. But I think sometimes as Christians, we can live a life where we're looking for the miracle more than we're looking for the blessing of God. We're looking almost, because miracles sometimes with the wrong attitude can almost be a bailout. 
Now, miracles are needed, and, and, and tonight there's people here that need physical miracles and healing miracles and financial miracles, so I'm not, I'm not taking away from that. Don't misunderstand me, but I just think that God wants us to live a life that we're living in such obedience to Him that we don't live from miracle to miracle, but we live from blessing to blessing. Amen? Blessings prevent crises which miracles deliver from crisis. Blessings are always a more abundant supply than a miracle. And third, miracles are a temporary fix, and many times blessings are permanent solutions. So what do I want to say with that? Was it better for me to go through all that stuff I went through and have the miracle, or would it have been better and never had the wreck? Some might say, well, you needed that miracle to share it tonight. Yeah, but how many would just rather not have to go through all that and just be blessed. So, again, I'm not taking away from the miracles. So if you're taking notes tonight, just write down miracles and blessings. Miracles and blessings. Because there, here's the statement. If you're living from miracle to miracle, you're probably living from crisis to crisis. Now, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples tonight. And I'm not going to take long because I know you're hungry. Amen? But I just want to give you a couple of examples. How many believe that the Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us? It says, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. How many know Jesus has already died for the every curse that the devil would want to put on us? Amen? So we have to understand tonight that when we begin to believe for miracles, and we begin to believe for things, uh, that are, sorry, for blessings, and we're not just always looking for the miracle, we're, we're practicing more the principles of the Word of God than we are just kind of kind of just nonchalantly going through life and always saying, God, help me. I'm in trouble. And so I, I want you to get, I want to give you some more examples. James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. Amen? Faith without works is dead. So there was a great illustration of tithing tonight at the offering. Some believers, I'm going to hit a nerve here for a second. I don't think anybody here on a Sunday night, though. Some believers pray for miracles all the time for their finances, but don't pay tithes. If you're not paying tithes, you can't be praying for miracles all the time. Because if you're taking notes, you may have heard this before, but it's it's the gospel truth. God don't bless mess. He doesn't bless mess. We should save them. What I think is we should save the miracles for when we need a miracle. Let that sink in for a minute. We should save the miracles for when we need a miracle, meaning it is out of our hands. It is something we have no control over. It's not something that we have caused out of disobedience or out of bad decisions, and we've gotten to a place where now I'm in trouble and I need a miracle. Y'all following me? Wouldn't it be better just to be living that life of obedience and then win something out of control, win something like that? What happened to me, that that was out of control. I wasn't being disobedient. I wasn't doing anything to cause the need for that miracle. That was a legitimate miracle, and I needed that miracle, but it wasn't me making bad choices or decisions. Now, if I'd have got to that stop sign and I'd have looked and someone would have been coming and I tried to beat them, or I'd have been speeding, or I'd have been texting, or just giving you a generic example, if I'd have been doing something that would have caused that problem, then I would still have needed a miracle, but I would have caused it. Y'all following me? Save the miracles for when you need a miracle. 
And let the rest be God's blessings. Because that's his will. I, I wish that you would prosper in all things, he says, and in health as your soul prospers. And so as your soul is prospering, it's prospering through good decisions. Don't ever think, man, I came to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'll be back here Wednesday night. I come to choir. I go to outreach. I pay my tithes. I talk about the Lord. I pray. I read my Bible. Don't ever think those things are in vain. Because when you're doing those things, you are walking in a prosperous life. You are walking in a life of obedience. And God blesses obedience. And sometimes we can look back And you might think, man, I haven't seen a miracle for a long time. Maybe it's because you've been walking in the blessings of God and you haven't needed a miracle. We think, man, we haven't had this amazing miracle for the longest time. I'd rather just walk in the blessings of God. Because you know what? Miracles are painful. Come on. Not Not the miracle happening, the need for the miracle. Is painful. I'd rather walk in the blessing. Let me give you just a couple of examples. I gave you, I gave you the giving. You can't expect to be blessed if you don't tithe. Period. Let me give you another one. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, The Lord shall open unto you good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in this season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations and shall not borrow. You know what work can translate to? Doing the right thing. Work translates into doing the right thing. It's not always a physical labor. He's blessing the work of your hand because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Okay? Now, let me give you another example. Would you rather, how many parents do I have in here? Still have kids that are 1 to 25. (laughs) Okay? When you have kids... Let me ask you a question, parents, and, and this, this might hit a little nerve because you might have had to actually do this, but would you rather visit your kid in jail and need a miracle for God to change their lives, for God to get them out on bond, out on bail, to, for God to, would you rather be at that position or would you rather raise up your kids in the right way and with the right decisions, doing the right thing, and, and dealing with the problems on a case-by-case basis. And just see the blessings of God and just see them rise up and never have to go there. And I'm not saying that there aren't kids that no matter what you do aren't going to get there. I'm talking just in general. Because a lot of times what we do is we don't deal with the problems on a case-by-case basis. Let me give you something. Every time you let that kid get away with spanking, not spanking them, when you said you were going to spank them, you're hurting them. Amen? That's the truth. Now, I know that this is not my church, but I've been preaching here for a long time, so I feel like I can deal with this thing. It needs to be dealt with. I have a paddle in my pulpit. Kids don't get spanked enough. Kids need to be spanked. Don't tell them, go to the corner. There's nowhere in the Bible that says, send your kid to the corner. Count. Nowhere. It says, spoil the rod. Uh-huh. That's, that rod's spoiling, though, because we're not using it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. So you can't say, hey, when we get home, and when you get home, you don't do it. 
Don't beat them in church, but take them to the bathroom and beat them. Amen? They need to be beat more. You know, our jails will be less full if we spank our kids more. Our jails will be less full if we spank our kids a little more. Amen? I'm talking about miracles and blessings. Oh, God, my son is lost. My daughter's lost. They're in prison. They're in jail. I need a miracle. Now, if you had nothing to do with that, fine. But what if you missed some? What if you missed along the way? Doing what you need to do over and over again. and Dealing with that issue while it was small. Before it got big. God doesn't want, listen, us to need a miracle to get gas or to buy groceries. I don't believe he wants that. I believe he wants to provide. So as I finish tonight, if, if we abuse our bodies we, and we receive a miracle of healing, you know, God, God that's the grace of God. He'll, he'll give us a miracle because he's God. But what happens a lot of times is we get a miracle out of his grace, but we don't deal with the root problem of why we got there. And that's the thing I'm wanting to get to you tonight is that God wants us to walk a walk where we're, we're doing what's right and we're living the life that's holy and we're, and we're doing what we're supposed to do. And then when we need a miracle, we say, God, I've done all I can do to stand. And, and God, now I need you to step in and I need you to do a miracle. Remember what I said in the beginning. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. And has he said he will not do or has he spoken and will not make it good? Behold, I have, listen, behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. When God blesses something, wouldn't it be better to live a life of God's blessings that Satan cannot reverse than to need a miracle? The only thing that can stop the blessing of God in our lives is, is unbelief and disobedience. God just wants us to do what we're supposed to do. The last thought is this. Would you rather have Abraham's old cattle and donkeys or would you rather have the promise Abraham had? Amen? So God says, I wish that you would prosper in all things as your soul prospers. Amen? Musicians, you can come tonight. And I'm going to figure out how to turn off my alarm. This is for anybody that's asleep. Wake up. This is a new phone, so I don't know if I might, I might not get it to it. Stop. There we go. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we want to prosper in all things. We love miracles. Miracles are amazing. God, I thank you for that miracle I shared tonight. I remember it like it was yesterday. You miraculously did something that, has, that made no sense. And there was no doubt, Father, in that miracle that, that you did that on purpose, first and foremost to test my faith, but also to show, God, that you were in control. Who comes in and buys all the furniture? Who comes in and buys a, a wrecked car? That's something only you can do. But, God, I really believe tonight that in blessings and miracles, I believe you get more joy out of us doing what's right and blessing the obedience in our lives than you do having to bail us out with a miracle. Father, we thank you for both. We thank you for the blessings and we thank you for the miracles. And Lord, I pray that you've spoken to somebody tonight. I pray that you've gotten us to a place where we realize, Lord, I need to, I need to work on some of these little foxes that try to spoil the vine. I need to deal with some of these little issues 
that maybe will grow bigger if I don't deal with it. And I need to just, maybe I haven't had a need for a miracle. Maybe I haven't, maybe I'm not doing anything wrong. God, remind me that I'm just continue to do right. That I just continue to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. Tonight as you're here, maybe you were invited to this dinner tonight. And you have never met Jesus. I want you to know he loves you tonight. He's an awesome God. He's a miraculous God. And the biggest miracle that will ever happen in your life is you being saved. You being born again. You getting your name written in the Lamb's book of life. How many tonight could say, Pastor, I don't know where I'd go tonight if I died. I don't know where I would spend eternity. But I want to know tonight. I want you to know that the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes unto the Father except through him. How many could say, Pastor, would you pray with me tonight? I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Would you just put your hand up and put it right back down as we close this service? I want to pray for you tonight all over this place. I need Jesus. I'm not sure. God bless you. I'm not sure. I don't know what would happen. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If there's, listen, if there's any doubt in your mind tonight, if there's any doubt in your spirit tonight, don't leave this place without knowing. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Just five more seconds. That's me. Pray for me, please. Remember me tonight. I need Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've said that prayer. You've accepted Jesus. But tonight you, you have gone back to your old ways You've done what Revelation says. You've lost your first love. You've grown cold. Tonight you know that you are not living a life of obedience to God. You are not living the life God has called you to live. And you want to change that tonight. How many could say, I need to come home tonight? God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Honest hearts. Let's stand to our feet tonight. You know, there's nothing like the altar. There's nothing like the altar. You know, if you haven't been to the altar for a while, this is a good night. Don't don't be that person that goes through 10, 15 services back there watching. Come Come to this altar regularly and say, God, soften my heart. Touch my heart. Minister to my heart. Make me like you. Amen. There's such a powerful thing about an altar because you can come and you can reflect immediately on the word that was just spoken. One of the worst things you can do is hear a message and say, you know what, I'll deal with that next week. I'll deal with that tomorrow. Deal with it now. Maybe you're here tonight and this is spoken to you because you are, as I said that, you have realized, you know what, I've got the mentality of miracle to miracle. I've got the mentality of God, God's got to bail me out. Instead of just being in that place. You know, I asked if, if you had kids. How many know as parents that if your kids are doing right? See, I really, believe in the, I really believe in the character of God. I really believe his character. As a parent, you can understand the character of God. Because he's a God. He's a father. And as parents, how many know that if your kids are doing right and you see them trying Maybe they've moved out of the house recently and they've got, their own, they've got a job, they've got a place and you see them trying, you see them just doing right over and over and all of a sudden they get behind on a bill, their light's going to be turned off or something 
as a parent that sees that kid doing right, a, a, a parent always wants to lend a hand without even being asked. But the flip side of that is when a parent sees that kid over and over, over and over, maybe being lazy, maybe being disobedient, whether it's in the house or out, and always saying, hey, you know, I don't have gas. Hey, I need help. Hey, and then you know what? As a parent, that wears on you. That gets annoying after a while. I don't want God to feel like that with me. I don't want God to feel like I'm always asking for help and always needing help. I want him to say, I want, him to, I want to be able to go to him at a time when I really need him. and Say, God, I've been trying. I've been tithing. I've been, I've been doing what's right. But you know what? I'm short. I need a miracle. He'll step in. But I believe that that's a life that pleases God. A life of blessing. A life of obedience. Amen. If you raised your hand tonight as we open these altars for rededication, come down and rededicate your life to the Lord. If you need a miracle tonight, come down and get a miracle. I'm not against miracles. I believe in If you need a physical healing, I believe that there's an anointing here. I believe there's a healing here. As we begin to sing, if you need a physical touch, come get a miracle tonight. If you need a, a, a blessing in your life, if you need a job, if you need a promotion, come get that tonight. There's faith at this altar tonight for whatever you're going through.